Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more, get the phone number, everything you need, just by going to the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We've got great guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He's a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll get an update on education, policy, and law. Uh, some of the changes that are made, very positive changes uh, through the efforts of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Byron Donalds, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress, may be available to join us. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Naples mayor, at least until uh, April the 1st. Bill Barnett will be joining us as well. Uh, we'll miss his deft leadership in the city of Naples after April 1st, but nevertheless, he's going to join us and talk about the transition. Be good to hear from Bill as well. It is March the 19th, and on this day in 8, 1931, in an attempt to lift the state out of the hard times of the Great Depression, Nevada, its state legislator voted to legalize gambling located in the Great Basin Desert. A few settlers chose to live in Nevada after the United States acquired the territory at the end of the Mexican War in 1848. In 1859, the discovery of the Comstock Lode of gold and silver spurred the first substantial number of settlers into Nevada to explore the territory's mining opportunities. Five years later, during the Great Civil War, Nevada was hastily made the 36th state in order to strengthen uh, the Union. At the beginning of the Depression, Nevada's mines were in decline and its economy was in shambles. In March 1931, Nevada's state legislature responded to population flight by taking the drastic measure of establishing legalized gambling. Later in the year, divorce. And you may recall back in the 60s, uh, uh, Las Vegas is a place where you went to get away from some of the crippling divorce laws in other states of the nation. Established in 1905, Las Vegas, Nevada had since become the gambling and entertainment capital of the world, famous for its casinos, nightclubs, and sporting events. In the first few decades after the legalization of gambling, organized crime flourished in Las Vegas. Today, state gambling taxes, taxes account for the lion's share of Nevada's overall tax revenues. So, uh, gambling established in 1931 on this date. Well, Wall Street had another bad day yesterday, dropping some 1,300 points and thus losing all the gains it made since Trump took office. Markets have been incredibly volatile for weeks with the likely rising likelihood that the outbreak will cause a recession. The S&P 500, which dictates how 401k accounts perform, much more than the Dow is now down nearly 30% from its record uh, set last month. 30%, though it's still above the level of Election Day 2016. States across the country also report a spike in jobless claims as airlines, restaurants, and other businesses laid off staff. In Tennessee, for example, new unemployment claims tripled over the past week, according to Associated Press, and Michigan reported five times the normal number of claims, and Minnesota reported receiving more than 2,000 claims per hour, far above the usual 50, 40, or 50 per hour. In Michigan, the three major automakers said the plan to lay off a total of 150,000 workers. So <clears throat> people aren't working. They have a need for money. As you know, most people live paycheck to paycheck, so this is going to cause dire consequences for many, many families. Of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced the closing of bars and nightclubs and on all, all, all day St. Patrick's Day. Now, the kind of interesting that's happening around Naples and Collier County is to say, well, we're not a bar. <laughs> we're not a nightclub, even though they're, they're uh, having entertainment and so forth. Anyhow, in a news conference uh, Tuesday morning, DeSantis announced the state's bars and nightclubs must close for the next 30 days and that restaurants must reduce capacity by 50% and seat all dining parties at least six feet apart or more. We were out to dinner last night at Blue Provence, and sure enough, Jacques, the owner, had the table separated. Every other table you had seating, lots of seating outside. It was a very delightful evening. 
tell more about that in just a few moments. I had uh, dinner with most interesting guy who is a former member of the Barons Roundtable and his uh, views on the economy. More about that in a moment. The, the announcement came less than 24 hours after Naples government officials said at a news conference that the city would not close any restaurants or businesses and would wait for further instruction from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So uh, right now, restaurants are open in Naples, some. And I'm glad that they have the latitude to stay open and try and comply with the rules from the CDC. Axios has compiled a timeline of the earliest weeks of the coronavirus outbreak in China, highlighting when the cover-up started and ended and showing how, during that time, the virus already started spreading around the world, including in the United States. A study published in March indicated that if Chinese authorities had acted three weeks earlier than they did, the number of coronavirus cases could have been reduced by 95% and geographically uh, limited in terms of its spread. The timeline compiled by the information reported from the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and the South China Morning Post and other sources show that China's cover-up and the delay in serious measures to contain the virus lasted about three weeks. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo warned Wednesday that the coronavirus pandemic could be repeatable if China persists with its lack of transparency and committed to helping Americans struck, stuck abroad due to border closures as a result of the outbreak. Instead of trying to do the work it's supposed to suppress the virus, which was what the world demanded, the Chinese Communist Party didn't get it right and put countless lives at risk as a result, Pompeo said. Pompeo added that uh, the Chinese government has created a disinformation campaign and wasted valuable days at the front end after the virus was first reported uh, during November. His comments came just one day after China kicked out journalists from the outlets, including the Wall Street, uh, the uh, New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, in an effort to control the propaganda wars against the virus. And you may have seen the uh, during the <laughs> Trump uh, press conference that. One of the reporters, I think it was from ABC, said, why are you being so racist and calling it the China virus? And uh, isn't that uh, xenophobic? Something to that effect. And Trump just said, well, I call it the China virus or the Wuhan virus because it came from China. It kind of settles that, doesn't it? Anyhow, uh, President Trump on Wednesday signed the second coronavirus relief bill into law that provides uh, paid sick leave, unemployment help, and free testing to Americans. The White House announced the Senate passed the legislation in a 90-8 to 8 vote <clears throat> uh, earlier on Wednesday. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had criticized the legislation negotiated by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin as having real shortcomings but urged members to gag and vote for it anyway to show bipartisan cooperation during the global pandemic. This is time for urgent bipartisan action, and it is the case I don't believe we should uh, let perfection be the enemy of something that will help even a subset of workers, McConnell said Wednesday. The two senators, two senators were absent, Cory Gardner, from Colorado, and of course our own Rick Scott, who are self-quarantining uh, because of testing positive for coronavirus. The eight senators voting no were all Republicans. They all, all look like members of the Freedom Caucus uh, trying to stand up for limited government. Critics said the mandate on small businesses to provide paid sick leave to workers was too much of a hardship when businesses are short on cash and can't wait for a federal tax credit reimbursement. <laughs> that, isn't that crazy? Sick leave during the pandemic mandating it by small businesses pay that talk about being out of touch with reality you know everybody can apply for unemployment if they need to anyhow small businesses in my state are closed Lankford said uh, after the vote many small businesses are really struggling with how they're going to pay for this when they have no income coming in right now they're hearing the promise of federal reimbursement coming to them, but they don't know when it's coming, and they're literally teetering on the edge right now, and they're saying, please don't do, don't do something that pushes us over the edge. That certainly makes sense. Well, the legislation provides 14 days of sick, sick days, paid sick days, to workers affected by coronavirus. Isn't that absurd? Next, the Senate and White House have uh, been moving quickly to draft a third round of stimulus that could infuse about $1 trillion into the U.S. economy. 
that have rattled by school shutdowns, businesses closures, and steep declines uh, in travel and tourism. Uh, just a no- note now about my the suggestion from the gentleman that I had dinner with last night. I, I'd uh, mentioned his name, except I didn't ask permission and forgot to do it last night. And not that he would resist, I think, uh, me disseminating the information, but I'm not going to mention his name. He did say that the U.S. Treasury, the Fed, should buy up corporate bonds. So, you know, the biggest problem we have is around the world, countries just have not prepared for this. This really could have happened. It did happen. So he's saying that right now, uh, taking drastic measures, buying up, for example, corporate debt would go a long way to stimulating and keeping the recession uh, at bay right now. So interesting. So uh, the bill is signed. They're looking towards a $1 trillion bailout. This, of course, go to airlines. This is part of this program to send $1,000 or more to each family in the next 14 days. Uh, Trump is seeking $250 billion to do that. Uh, Two payments to taxpayers would be identical, and the amounts would vary by family. That's the proposal. So they'll be hammering out this new legislation to support uh, those that have been affected by the pandemic, which, by the way, includes all of us. By the way, uh, at dinner last night, uh, the owner mentioned uh, that of uh, Blue Provence mentioned the uh, quinine type of uh, drug that has been developed, showing signs that also may cure infections of coronavirus. So I say, if that's the fact, and I read about this today, I went back and checked it out. Uh, if it actually helps with the symptoms of coronavirus, let's get the drug and get it distributed. Why not? Uh, especially for those, I'm sure, that uh, have the coronavirus would certainly like the relief. This segment of the show brought to you by Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite Luxury Lifestyles, the website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Find out more by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. At least he's mayor until April the 1st. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is a co-founder of a terrific organization doing great work in Tallahassee to help improve the quality of education. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Enjoy talking with you. I enjoy it as well, Pastor. I hope everybody's safe up there from dealing with the coronavirus. Well, we're all doing the best we can, and as far as I can tell, we're all doing very well and continuing to try to take careful steps and uh, watch out for each other. Uh, that's that's exactly what it takes. So, uh, Pastor Rick, I, I know that the legislative session has ended now, and I'd just love to get uh, your, oh, before, so our listeners understand, tell us about the Florida uh, Citizens Alliance and what it does. Well, Florida Citizens Alliance is a group of grassroots people, it's an alliance, we work together with a lot of people who care about a lot of the same things, and we try to help improve the state of education for our students in Florida. We focus on K through 12 reform. We've been involved in some things in the past. Most recently, we helped the uh, whole process of formulating these new best standards that that were released a few weeks ago. And uh, we work in the legislature for, because some things require legislative action to move them forward. So our whole idea is how can we help our Florida students have the best educational opportunities that are possible to give students anywhere. Yeah, great organization. And really, uh, what what our listeners need to understand is that uh, uh, now the Florida Citizens Alliance leaders, like Pastor Rick and Keith Law and others, are very close with uh, Corcoran, the Commissioner of Education, the Governor, and you know, really have some influence on uh, the type of legislation and policy that's established in Tallahassee for our students, and it, it, making a real impact. So t- tell us about the last legislative session and, and your feelings and, and uh, thoughts about how what transpired. Well, there, there's always interesting things go on when it comes to the legislature. And uh, you mentioned we work with Commissioner Corcoran. If people want to go to our website, they can see a video that the commissioner released to kind of describe a little bit of what we've been doing. But in terms of the legislative session, uh, I would describe my response to that as disappointing. A lot of the things that we were hoping would pass did not pass both chambers. A lot of those are, are common sense kinds of things. Uh, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around why some of these things that are so so common sense and why they didn't pass. The one that, that disappointed me most was the Parents' Bill of Rights. I mean, the purpose of government in this country is to preserve the rights of the people. That's right. And this bill simply stated these are the rights of parents as it relates to their responsibility to raise their children and why the legislature couldn't see fit to pass that simple direct understanding to say to parents we believe in your responsibilities we want to support you and we want to lay out your rights so that nobody questions your ability to raise your children yeah now this um, uh, this is fundamental but it didn't pass yeah i mean it's it's so important because we've seen encroachment on parental rights from uh, governments like the the i'll just mention the school systems will some in, in many cases start referring to the kids as our kids uh, start uh, making decisions that belong to the parents and the fact that maybe some of the decisions are good doesn't justify the fact that, that somehow, some way, a government agency is making the decision. We ought to respect the boundaries between parents and government. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you'll hear sometimes legislators will say, but what about these parents? And they'll cite an example of a parent who failed to, to help their kids properly. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't think that you have to make the important decisions about parents' rights based upon the misbehavior of one or two or three parents. That's right. We think you have to look at the parents as a whole and say, this is what we expect of them, and we're going to help them live up to these expectations. Right. And the legislature didn't do that when it comes to the parents' rights bill. They just did not do it. See, so this is one of the, and and I'm going to use this as an example of, uh, uh, we don't have our citizens engaged enough to support the types of things that should they we should be supporting if we i'm sure a lot of people are surprised by what you're just saying why didn't this pass well it's because we the people are not engaged enough in the legislative process and we need to support the things that can make things better for parents and for students 
And that's exactly right. We regularly say to people, you need to participate. You need to be involved. People are concerned. They complain, and, and rightly so. I understand their concern that, that they don't listen to us. But we have discovered that if you're persistent, if they know you mean business, if you repeatedly show up and say this is what we believe in, then eventually people will listen. But on some of these key things where there are loud and noisy opponents, our legislators need to hear from the rest of us to say, no, this doesn't stand up to scrutiny. This is what needs to happen, and and expect them to do the right thing. Yeah. So the, this type of thing, once it it fails in the legislature, many times it comes back, especially through the efforts and support of some of people from the Florida Citizens Alliance. It'll probably show up next session, though, right? Well, it, it showed up last session, so this was the second go around for the uh-huh. Parents Bill of Rights. So yes, we're hopeful and and confident that that'll be it'll be brought back for the legislature. But again, we will need people to speak up and to let their representatives know this matters and we expect you to get it done. This is foundational to what we believe in government to accomplish in our country and in our state. Absolutely. So you mentioned, uh, used the uh, descriptive uh, word of uh, disappointed. Other disappointments? Well, yeah, there was a simple bill that that made sense to a lot of us that... um, referred to a moment of silence in public schools, not a dramatic thing, but to allow for the the students at the beginning of the day just to take a breath and have a moment of silence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it was the idea was for the students to collect their thoughts, prepare for the day, get ready, and it it just didn't pass. Yeah. It passed in the House, but not in the Senate. And uh, it, that doesn't make a lot of sense. There was a bill to to allow for the study of the Bible, you know, as a as an important piece of Western literature, and that didn't pass. I mean, what are we concerned about? Our kids being exposed to something that <laughs> our parents and grandparents were exposed to, and and all of our civilized uh, society in the West has been exposed to. Why are we worried about that in our schools? Right. So interesting. Well, uh, any successes? The the standout success from our perspective was the parental consent for abortion bill that that the governor has pledged to sign. This will require that parents consent to an abortion for their minor children. Why this had to come to that is still a mystery to some of us, because that seems so obvious. It's a major medical procedure, and and our children need the supervision of their parents on those kinds of things. And, And this is long overdue. We're really glad to see it happen, because it protects the life of children who are not yet born, who don't have a choice, don't have an opportunity, but this allows the parents to protect their own children from what could be a very invasive and difficult procedure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you need parental consent, written consent for kids to take an aspirin from the school nurse, but <laughs> they can go and get an abortion with no parental involvement whatsoever. It makes absolutely no sense. So this is this is a pretty good legislation. So um, Absolutely. Uh, Pastor Rick, uh, your website is goflca.org. <clears throat> goflca.org. I'm going to suggest that our listeners go to the website. Uh, and this is one of the key areas where you can get some good information about what's happening with regard to education. We've made so much progress in the last year in terms of getting rid of Common Core, in terms of uh, getting exposure to us. Uh, a propaganda that's being taught in schools. Uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has been totally behind this this effort, and it's beginning to get traction and get uh, results as well. So again, goflca.org is the website. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Always, always good to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Pastor Rick. And by the way, when you go to the website, not now this is necessarily a good time for the, us to be doing this, but uh, uh, if, if you have the means, uh, give them a little money. I think they could really use uh, the support and help. All right, coming up, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to put in a call to uh, our state representative, Byron Donalds, and see if he's available. He may not be, but I'm going to do that. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great, Byron. I hope you're doing well as well. I am. So, you know, uh, this has all been very upsetting. The, the, the news is just being absolutely absorbed by the pandemic uh, virus, by the uh, coronavirus, and, and the response by so, state and local governments. I just want to get your thoughts about what's going on. Well, I mean, look, a number of things. I think, first of all, Bob, I think it's important for your listeners and everybody to understand uh, this is serious. We need to take this seriously. Uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, is highly contagious. It spreads very, very easily. It can live on countertops for for um, very long time. And some some studies up to two days, it can live on the countertop. Um, it's easy to just spread. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't live in the air very long, maybe a couple hours um, at the high side. Um, so that's number one. Number two, the mortality rate differs depending on what population of people you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about... Um, People who are in their 40s, 30s, 20s, 50s, the mortality rate is lower than two tenths of one percent. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about people over the age of 65 or people with with uh, heart issues, respiratory issues, the mortality rate can be anywhere from three to seven percent, which is significant in mm-hmm. our population, especially in Southwest Florida, where we have a lot of elderly uh, uh, people in our in our in our in our citizens. Right. So it is something very serious. We do have to take it, um, we have to do it, um, pay very close attention to this. I think the president, um, the vice president are doing everything that they can um, to, to really stem the, stem the spread of this, this virus, which does cause problems to, for, for Americans, uh, for some Americans. And I think that that's clear when you hear people like um, um, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, saying that the president's been doing a fantastic job doing everything that you can. Well, you have Dana Bash of all people on CNN saying, listen, the president is out here really leading the country. Uh, so the president's doing a fantastic job. What we have to do as Americans is take this seriously. Uh, make sure we do everything we can to not spread this because it is a highly contagious virus. It, it, it is crystal clear. So as long as we do those things, I think we'll get through it. Absolutely. Well, it, it, it occurs to me, too, that, uh, you know, 
Well, when I take a step back and, and think about what's going on right now, I mean, and the president is demonstrating, I think, outstanding leadership for the country. Uh, I will suggest that, hey, there's risk in life, risk, and, and you know, we have, what, 25,000 people that are going to die from the flu this year, and uh, I just wonder if we shouldn't, okay, we've identified these populations, as you suggested, the older folks, especially with the infirmities that are most uh, influenced or affected by the virus, uh, why don't we just all go back to work and let people self-quarantine, the older folks, take care of themselves, and get this economy going again? Um, the issue with that is, and a lot of the models that we've seen from the Department of Health, is that because this, the way this virus spreads and how quickly it can spread, mm-hmm. that, that's really the issue. Mm-hmm. And so even though um, the mortality issues happen with the older population, mm-hmm. what would happen is because people will take a lot of flu-like symptoms, um, high fever, things of that nature, mm-hmm. if you develop symptoms from the coronavirus, mm-hmm. what would happen what we've seen is that people would flood the medical system, mm-hmm. hospitals, urgent cares, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, and the results of doing that, the people who truly need medical attention wouldn't be able to get what they need. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the, 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 I guess the first line of defense has been to try to limit the spread and to bend that curve. I think, honestly, Bob, I think we're probably one to two weeks away from starting to get real concrete data. And if we've been successful about trying to just slow down the spread um, to stop this contagion. Yeah, that's a sensible response, and I appreciate that because there's unintended consequences for whatever you do or don't do. Uh, right now, it just seems to me a, see a shame, it's a shame that we're seeing unemployment uh uh, insurance applications going up dra- drastically. I'm sure it's happening right here in Florida. So the economy is pretty much shutting down. And uh, yeah, we got to get this thing under control. But I hate to see, you know, what's uh, everything that's been built kind of being torn down right now. I worry about those small business people. I worry about waiters not being able to work. Uh, and uh, you know, I think all for a good cause. We have to get through this thing. But right now, it's it, there's a big cost involved in the steps we're taking. Well, I agree with you, and I think that this is like a little bit of a concern I'm having with some of the um, stimulus talk coming out of Washington. I think that it is clear that there is something that we're going to have to do because, frankly, nobody saw this coming, truly. Mm -hmm. From an economic standpoint, nobody saw this coming and realized the impacts it would have on our economy. Um, And it's going to have some impacts. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, The things that have, I think, that caused me concern are coming out of Washington, um, especially from some of the same people that brought us the stimulus package back in 2009, that brought us TARP back in 2008. And some people don't remember the first stimulus in early 2008 of George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that I'm hearing I'm a little concerned about, I think, you know, uh, uh, checks for everybody, for all Americans, that had, uh, Steve Mnuchin and uh, the Treasury Secretary and, and Democrats on Capitol Hill and, and Mitt Romney are talking about are causing me concerns. Yep. I think if we're going to do something around that directly to citizens, I think we should use the current unemployment system. Um, and then you can always beef up benefits in the current unemployment system. But that way, you try to limit the amount of fraud that will take place if you just send checks to all all Americans. Yeah. Um, that's just a, that's a policy that doesn't make much sense at all. Yep. I think if you're going to do it, you use the unemployment system to do that. The second thing are, are corporate bailouts. We should not go down that line again. Um, what the Treasury could do is offer loans, zero-interest loans, mm-hmm. uh, for two years to businesses that who want to take advantage of that. Uh, but those dollars have to be repaid. And I'm not talking about just airlines and, and, and large corporations. I'm talking about small businesses as well. Small businesses can go through the SBA for a zero-interest loan. Right. I think those are some emergency procedures we definitely should be able to do. That makes sense. Uh, but those dollars have to be paid. I think just getting direct grants or checks from the government is just simply the wrong way, the wrong way to go. I understand what the president wants to accomplish. Yeah. The president wants to make sure that there's enough liquidity in the system, not just in capital markets, which he's going to handle, but also in the lives of everyday Americans and small business owners. Right. He wants to make sure there's enough working capital in everybody's hands to get through this, so the economy can just keep going once we get past the problem. And I definitely understand what he wants to do. I just think that some of the people on Capitol Hill who are bringing these ideas are people who are, have no problem with burgeoning, a, a massive burgeoning government 
with massive entitlement programs. If we're going to do something in an emergency response, we have to contain uh, those stimulus responses as much as we can. I would agree with that. You know, we've already $22 trillion in debt, another trillion dollars. Doesn't make sense at all. Byron Donalds, again, we would love to see you in Washington, D.C., in U.S. Congress, uh, representing us and uh, bringing your ideas and thoughts. I think you'd really be a contributor to the legislative process. I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to byrondonalds.com. Byrondonalds.com and support Byron's candidacy for uh, U.S. Congress. Byron, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a good day. You have a great day, too. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's going going the other way in the coronavirus freakout. And it really, my goodness, you know, it just. Uh, and I want to talk to you about your column, which is about uh, the Obama abuse of the judicial system. Before we do, though, it just occurs to me that life has risks. And uh, right now, it seems to me that all of our government agencies are trying to eliminate risk. And I don't think yeah. there's any such thing. There's, well, you, one, you can't do it. And two, they're not constitutionally empowered to do it. That's um, right. That's right. It's, it's, this is, look, I have now, uh, in this one specific instance, I have now become Captain Bailout. My, my thinking is this: we we had a great economy going gangbusters, and the government threw up a brick wall in front of it. Right. And if the government's going to do that, they need to. You know, this is a, this is a Fifth Amendment taking situation. Mm-hmm. They are taking from every a working person in America without just compensation with this stupid freakout. So I don't think trillion dollars is enough. I, I, I like, you know, I like some of these ideas I'm hearing. Marco Rubio has an idea about, you know, you give money to businesses on condition that they use it for payroll. Uh-huh. And if they use it for payroll, keeping people employed and in place, even though they're not being used at the moment, 
because there's no business. Um, it, it just makes a lot more sense than kicking them off their jobs, having them go on unemployment, which, of course, is more government money, and then trying to reconstruct the economy after we get past this stupidity. It's better to just pay them to be there. You give the business money. If the business uses it, you check, them, you check back a year later on their taxes. If they use it for non-payroll stuff, they don't get it, then, it's, then it becomes a loan, and they have to pay it back. If they used it for payroll to keep their staff on, on staff, it, it becomes a grant, and they can keep the money. I, I like that idea. I think we've done this to you know The government's done this to them. The government owes them something. Well, I know we're the government. I know we pay for this, and I know it's on our tab. But in this instance, I think it's warranted. So, I mean, I think the, the other thing I'll suggest is that uh, being citizens, we have freedom, but we have also responsibility. So let's uh, allow us to self-legislate. In other words, uh, let's let, to, because we know younger people uh, probably won't get the virus or won't show the... Uh, 99% of people that get the virus don't die. That's right. 99%. Why are we stopping the entire planet? I, with that number in mind. I could not agree more. My suggestion is let's uh, let older folks, those that were that infirmed, let them self-quarantine. Let's get the economy back going and get people back to work. And those that get the... Yeah, uh, the this, is, this is not how we... This is the dumbest... This is the reverse... 180 degree opposite way we're supposed to handle this. Yeah. Why am I quarantined? I'm, I'm in my middle 40s. I'm in good shape. My main anger from this is I can't go to the gym, which I do six days a week. Yeah. I think I'll be okay if I get COVID. Yeah. Why am, why is my world come to a halt to, for people who are 90 and have other ailments? Right. You know, uh, I think we discussed this on Tuesday. Of the 60-odd deaths that have occurred because of this disease, 29 occurred in one retirement home in Seattle, yeah. in the Seattle area. And that, this was not a normal retirement home where, you know, people go to dinner together and you golf cart around the community. They're already also very, very sick in addition to being old. Right. And 29 of the deaths happened there. This is a giant nothing. And we've destroyed, you know, uh, I saw a friend of mine on Facebook said, China got us to commit economic suicide, and I think that's right. Uh, uh, well, you know, there's no, no question that... Uh this this is just really devastating to the economy, and it's a shame. For we no good reason at all. I would agree with that. Unfortunately, everybody's trying to avoid risk, and uh, it can't. It just can't happen. So, no. uh, look, we have a little bit of time to talk about this. So, you talked about uh, your column, shocker. Obama yet again abused authority he didn't have to yet again punish an enemy. Uh, so interesting. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this is this of course is a, it harkens back to a lot of his famous quotes where he he said I have a phone and a pen and I don't need Congress and so he started doing all kinds of things he didn't have authority to do, and then he he, he of course said, famously said to a Hispanic group a leftist Hispanic group to which he was to whom he was speaking, uh, you, you use power to reward your friends and punish your enemies. And we know how much cronyism he engaged in, government cronyism. Right. Uh, he also punishes enemies with it, the IRS targeting conservatives and Tea Party groups, uh, going after reporters who, you know, dared to, t to report the truth about him, um, going after Trump with trumped-up charges, no, no pun intended, uh, of, of allegedly colluding with Russia. And then, of course, on his way out the door, three days before um, he left office, January 17, 2017, he, he, the last week or so, he filed a bunch of different lawsuits against enemies of the state, of his state. And one of them, three days before he left, was Oracle, who is one of the only tech companies that doesn't really jibe with the uh, let's go all in with the Democrats thing that Google does and Facebook does and Twitter does and most of big tech does. And so they got dinged on the way out the door. Um, the Department of Labor has this little mini department, OFCCD, it's some goofy acronym, I can't remember what the stupid name is, but it's in charge of discrimination in contracting with the federal government. Mm -hmm. And not only do they charge you with uh, contract, you know, discrimination, the, the discrimination charges are stupid. They're, one of the charges is they don't hire enough women. Well, we know from 
the, the world that women don't like science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM su- subjects, as much as men do. So who's Oracle supposed to hire? If women aren't interested in the subject matter, they're not going to be applying to Oracle. So there's that. But, but also the way the Justice Department goes about it is the, this little mini-agency has its own trial. Mm-hmm. So they, they, were, they served as, ju- as judge, jury, and executioner of the Oracle charges. By the way, well, that's a violation of the basic tenets of the Constitution. Of course, that's the, of course the D- Department of Labor is in the executive branch of the government. That is the executive branch pretending to be the judicial branch. Right. They conducted a trial of Oracle huh. in their in the executive branch and found them guilty. Yeah. And so that's clearly, on its face, unconstitutional. And I'm really, I mean, just beyond the Oracle case, I'm really hoping Oracle wins because of uh, there are a lot of agencies that do this, a lot of them. Right. And I would love to have you know, a ruling that says you can't do this in this instance because that means if you're logical and think linearly, <laughs> you know, uh, that, you, that other agencies can't do it either. So it's a very important case in that regard as well. Well, you have all these alphabet agencies with the unelected officials who literally have more power than uh, elected officials at these that remember, decide. Remember when Trump first came into office and they were saying he can't fire this person and he can't fire that person? They work in the executive branch. Is that, are you saying he's more? They're more powerful than the president. That's it is indeed. Seaton Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit his website, lessgovernment.org, or also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, it's always great to get your animated commentary and very insightful commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Naples Mayor Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We have with us the mayor of Naples, the Honorable Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, Bob, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, Thursday mornings, my favorite morning. Oh, I just really enjoy having you on the show. You know, I'm so disappointed. I don't know how uh, people who are in elected office like yourself, I mean, uh, you put it all on the line, and uh, it didn't work out the way we intended. I think probably the coronavirus had something to do with that. But anyhow, what, yeah. are, your, what are your thoughts? Well, that um, and um, uh, the fact that we didn't get the big vote that we thought we would get um, had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, she won by... Um, 800 votes, but those 800 votes uh, could have been swallowed up if uh, if the uh, Gulf Shore people came out in force. Uh, um, we, you know, could have made a big difference. But you know, that's hindsight, Bob. I, yeah. you know, there's no sense. Like I said, there's no sour grapes. It's um, uh, it's just the way it is. I'm I'm, you know, it was a nasty nasty campaign. They they uh, out nastied me for sure, but. Uh, you know, I, um, uh, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting watching these people and how they're going to, uh, with all the threats they made, that they're going to do this and do that and do the other thing and stop this and stop that. Um, a lot of us are going to be sitting back watching, um, and I I don't I you know I love my city way too much to to wish any harm to it, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm afraid that that if they start carrying out what they think they're going to carry out, you know, they're going to you're going to see some some property values dropping. You're going to see some very unhappy people. Well, and they it, think they're happy, but that's one group. Yeah, no, and, and the 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 key here is that uh, we're walking to a situation where the probability is high that uh, city revenues are going to go down. Taxes are probably uh, revenues will probably be reduced. And I'm talking about in the midst of this coronavirus ep- uh, epidemic and what's going on. Uh, so this is going to take real leadership, and I'm I'm concerned. I mean, I know that you would have done a great job after April 1st had you been elected, but I'm real concerned about uh, what's going to happen to the city. Yeah, well, it's going to be a wait and see. We've got a good staff, and as long as they stay put, um, I I I think uh, we'll be we'll be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's when the uh, it's it's when there's a clash is what you want to be concerned about. You know, if the mayor doesn't get along with the with the manager or the um, uh, city clerk or whomever, um, then you have then you have problems. Yeah. Um, and especially our city attorney. I mean, we've got a we've got a great city attorney firm. I mean, Jim Fox, our city attorney, is uh, is as good as any I've ever seen. And um, you know, you got the 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 new group here is you know so they say they're so budget conscious and they want to cut and cut and do this and that. Hey. We have a pretty vibrant economy in in Naples, Florida, and um, you know those words just make me uh, make me quiver. Yeah, uh, and I've I have had I will tell you uh, yesterday um, I had the nicest emails and and texts from people um, that said I mean just just beautiful things about you know you're always going to be our mayor and the, you know you're a great leader and they were sorry and a lot of them said we're sorry we let you down. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like them to, to to feel like that. You know, but they all realized when the smoke had cleared that um, that uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to be there anymore, and it could it probably could have been prevented. Yeah. Now, I will give you um, some 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 credence to the coronavirus. I think that had I definitely think that uh, had something to do with it. And there were some states that that did not do the primaries; they postponed them. Right. Well, you know, uh, and I would like to say I hope um, you have been a great mayor and great city councilman for the past 24, 25 years that you've been serving in elected office. I think the city has only gone in the right direction under your leadership. And uh, I think I hope you think about all the success and all that you've contributed over the past 25 years uh, to the city of Naples because uh, it's been substantial and uh, I just... Just very, very pleased and proud to have you as a friend, as well as our mayor. Well, thanks. That's you know, I I ditto that with you. But um, you know, like I said, I I have to uh, to look ahead, and uh, we'll, um, we'll 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 wait till we get rid of this uh, coronavirus and uh, figure out if we're gonna you know go up to New York. Um, and uh, um, I might do something um, depending what offers might come in for a good volunteer position or. Uh, 
something I'd like to do, not full-time for sure, but mm -hmm. if not, that's okay, too. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. Um, I'm just going to, I'll weigh my options out, um, because retirement is not such a bad thing. Well, I mean, you're, you're vibrant, and uh, I'm not sure. I think we're all intended to work in some way. I think your, 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 your thought process makes a lot of sense to me, and that is terms of what can I do to make a contribution, contribute to contribute. It don't necessarily have to be employed. It don't necessarily have to be paid for it. But uh, Right, right. Um, um, and, and I'm going to stay on. I'm absolutely going to stay on the board of the shelter because um, it's a great organization, and I love the people. So, um um, I'm staying on that, and you know, um, we'll we'll uh, play it day by day. I mean, Chris and I have have we'll have to kind of work out a new schedule because uh, I don't think she wants me stumbling over her feet or lying around the house watching soap operas, Bob. But you know, we'll see. <laughs> I don't think that's something that you're going to be doing. But nevertheless, uh, you certainly have a lot of great options, including travel and uh, and other things. But in the meantime, right. this, this coronavirus is just devastating. What, what are your thoughts in terms of how the federal and state and local governments are handling what's going on? Well, I, I, I think they everybody's got the idea. I think they're doing the best that they can. We we in the city we closed the beaches yesterday, which killed me to do. But we're gonna, you know, we we just have to stay aggressive and uh, stay ahead of this thing. I heard yesterday that um, that they are very close on some vaccines. As a matter of fact, I had heard and uh, from a pretty good source that they found a vaccine that was kind of up on the shelf for one of those other ones that. Um, that there might be an announcement this afternoon. Now, it could be pure rumor, so I don't want anybody running to the bank on that. The other thing, Bob, is I'm I'm more concerned about the damn market. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm looking at the futures right now, down about 500 going into trading today, and who knows what's going to happen. It could end up up. It could end up down another 2,000 points. It's really crazy right now, but uh, and affecting people and their portfolios pretty substantially. Um, and, you know, I, I heard yesterday we were out to dinner, and uh, Jacques at uh, Blue Provence, the owner, uh, said he'd heard about a new uh, a dr drug treat used for malaria. It's kind of quinine-based, hydrochloroquine or something like that. Anyhow, uh, he's yeah. apparently, apparently it's working on people that have the symptoms of uh, COVID-19. So, uh, you know, I'm, maybe we can take that off the shelf. Uh, well, that's... That that would that would be great. Um, so so Jacques is, is going to stay open, uh, just split, just uh, shortening his tables, right? Well, that's right. He had uh, there's all the tables are there, but uh, he's seating only every other table. So we have this right, six correct. foot rule. So uh, you know, and it was a wonderful evening with good friends. We had a, a great time. So. Um, well, we'll see. I just, uh, you know, Bill. To be honest with you, and this is something I said on the show today. I would prefer. Let people self-quarantine. If you're old and, and have infirmities, uh, stay inside. Right. For the rest of us, let's just go back to work. You know, we have more. Right. We have 25,000 people dying from the flu. I don't think this this thing is that uh, that big a deal, quite frankly. No, I don't either. I I, I agree with you. Um, most people would get it, and whatever they're 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 cured unless they have you know prior prior ailments uh, that that. Uh, um, but I, I agree with you, and I think sooner or later they're gonna people are gonna realize it. Yeah. And say okay, so this is the deal. Yeah. Um, you know, like you just said, you're old. You're you need you need to stay put and stay put. Yeah, and but the other not, the, you know, yeah, get yeah, back to life. And the other side is too is that once you have, get the virus, you you know you actually develop an immunity for future viruses, as I understand right. it. So uh, there's some upside to that whole pro process. Anyhow, Bill, you know I genuinely appreciate your contribution here to the city, to uh, our lives, to everything that you've done. And uh, I know this is kind of an inflection point in your life, and uh, it's time to reflect. And I hope you just reflect on the great success you've had. Thank you so well, much for joining us. Thanks, Bob, and I'll I'll. Um Speak to you next Thursday. I'll still be mayor. Yes, you will. Well, you know what? You always have great insight in what's going on, so I hope you'll continue to be a guest on the show. Well, I wouldn't miss it. All right. Thank That's you, Bill. my lifestyle. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Bob. You as well. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we have great guests for tomorrow's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Gary Ingold uh, is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy uh, Clinics. And uh, 
there's this so oh by the way their their uh, gala is going to be online on saturday so i hope you'll participate gary and i'll be talking about that tomorrow sharon kenny the author of where should we eat and dave beagle the author of the devil at our doorstep will join us i hope you make it a great day on the paradise coast or wherever you are namaste for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>